Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Well, we have been talking about the Holy Spirit and... uh, We've been talking about the Holy Spirit on Sunday mornings and how we desired God to move in our life to ignite us, to get us fired up. And we tend in Baptist, Southern Baptist churches to, if we don't have something stir us up from time to time, we get to where we get a little like molasses. you got to heat us up some because we'll get uh, uh, thick and, and viscous and not... Not viscous, but uh, we won't be. Uh, hey, we don't get moving a lot, and you gotta. We gotta get heated up and move around, and some to uh, get going. And but on Sunday nights, we've been talking about the Holy Spirit and getting into uh, who the Holy Spirit is, what uh, His role is in the Trinity, and and trying to understand more about. Uh, our relationship to the Holy Spirit. Tonight, if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, we come to a portion of time where we talk about a topic that uh, confuses a lot of people. And so we're just going to hit it right now and get it over with and talk about uh, the aspect of the Holy Spirit that most people fear the most. Uh, you're not supposed to fear God in terms of being afraid of God. Fearing God, and, and when the Bible says the fear of the Lord is, uh, you know, is something that we need to do, it's talking about us having a reverence for God and having a relationship with God in terms of awe and respect, but not a fear in terms of, oh, I don't want to be around Him, let, let me go hide from Him like you would uh, that crazy aunt that liked to pinch your cheek off uh, whenever she came over. Uh, Your relationship to the Holy Spirit is to be a a relationship that's built on a love and a desire to have the Spirit of God working and moving in your life in such a way to lead you, to to talk to others about your faith in Christ, to to help you in, in your growth and development as a Christian, to help you to mature as a Christian. And uh, the work of the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, 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 has a lot to do with our uh, uh, becoming more like Christ. And so tonight we're going to talk about something that uh, causes fear in our hearts a lot of times. I remember growing up that... Uh, we were not always privileged to have the nicest of things. And I remember uh, forever uh, being a child, being together as a family in the living room. We spent a lot of our time in the living room as a family. And one of the things that I remember the most is uh, my parents had a one of those uh, rope rugs you know those rug what i'm talking about it's braid it, yeah it goes round and round in a circle and it and it and it braids into a rug and that was what we had in our uh our family room 
you call it all kinds of different things. It's the room we spent the most time in. Uh, it, not a living room. Or, living room was the fancy room, the place that you don't go. Huh? The den. Yeah. It, what, it, I guess what keeps me from calling it a den so much is that it didn't have paneled wood in the room. I always think, whenever I think of a den, I think of a smaller room that's got paneling in it, maybe a desk or something like that. But uh, anyway, this was where we lived the most. This was a room that, that was, we called it the family room, where we all gathered as a family. And, and I remember. Uh, there came a day when my parents decided, well, that that braided rug is falling apart too much. It, it began to separate between the rows of 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 braid that went round and round and round, and and it got to the point where we couldn't pretend any longer that it wasn't a rug much anymore. It was just a long rope that was going round and round in our our family room, and, and so mom and dad decided to get a rug for that room, and we went out to the J.C. Penney's and the Sears and different places. I don't remember. We looked all over for rugs, and we finally found a rug that mama just fell in love with. It was beautiful oriental style rug and it was a little bit bigger than our uh, room that we had to put it in. So uh, mom tasked, mom and dad did not waste money on having somebody come in and professionally install that thing. That's ridiculous when all we had to do is just put it in the room, you know? And so it fell on my teenage brother and myself to uh, try and get that rug in that room the way it was supposed to be. And of course, you're asking for a disaster to ask a teenage young man and, and his brother that know nothing about laying rugs to, to trim up a rug for the room. I mean, but my parents thought, well, it's simple. All you got to do is put it down in the room and cut it down some. And we tried our best, but it did not live up to the expectation of mama and daddy, especially mama. And it was not quite straight, <laughs> and it was not quite even when we got done. Now, my brother and I, we sat back and we looked at it. Yeah, that works. But then again, we have the sensibility of throwing, you know, a rug in a a, a carport or something, or a a, a uh, and thinking, you know, that's great, you know, an old remnant rug or something like that. We were not thinking of the kind of rug that goes in the family room that everybody will be proud of, and we're not thinking in terms of it like Mama did. And Mama was all tears. I remember it just upset Mama so much when we got done. And, of course, Mama said the one thing that all mamas say from time to time that they don't intend to hurt feelings, but she said, and I understand why she said it too, well, I, can't, I guess we just can't have anything nice. <laughs> you've heard those words probably yourself. Maybe you've uttered those words. But I know one thing, we upset Mama. And we tried our best to make it right. We tried and tried and tried to, to make Mama happy, but Mama was not happy. The task in our life and the paramount thing in our life at that moment was trying to make Mama happy. And Mama had already expressed the fact that she was not happy. 
And what was worse was is that we did it because we did the cutting. Of course, we were told to do the cutting, but, you know, we didn't do it right. And so Mama was not happy. And I remember uh, Mama getting over it later and Mama telling us that it was all right. Um, of course, uh, why did they ask us to... Uh, look at that. I just messed up my reading glasses. Uh, anyway, Mama... Mama told us later that it was all right she understood and she uh agreed that we probably they mom and dad probably should have never asked a teenage boy and and his younger brother to try and do something like that but uh they were trying to save some money and of course uh, mom and dad spent all their money on us sending us to school and all that so you know that was part of the issue too and and so uh nobody uh I remember one thing for certain, though. We were not upset of what Mama said. We were upset that Mama was upset. You just don't upset Mama, you know. And and maybe y'all have done some things before in your life that upset Mama. Maybe you uh, broke a china cabinet or knocked over a figurine. And I remember one time, I, I uh, Robin and I were just dating, and I was in the bathroom combing my hair and that's what you do in the bathroom right you you got a mirror there and you call, you put your hands up to comb your hair and back then i had some hair to comb and and uh, anyway i lifted my arm and my elbow bumped a shelf and uh, a figurine fell off of the shelf and fell to the floor and broke it and uh, it upset robin's mom now, I promise you, I didn't spend my whole life upsetting parents. Uh, uh, but uh, these two occasions, I remember I upset them pretty bad. And uh, her mama said, I said, I will pay for another one. I'll go out and buy you another one. She says, you can. <laughs> it's a discontinued figurine. And I'm like, why? why? Why was it there where I could bump into it? But, you know. Uh, she didn't expect me to come in there like a bull in a china shop knocking things over either. But you don't like to have people that you love upset at you, is my point. But we do tend to do things from time to time that does upset the people we love. And we try as best we can to remedy those things. But we don't always understand what it is that we've done wrong. Fortunately, I knew what I did wrong in both of those situations. I knew I was at fault because I helped cut the carpet wrong, and I knew I was at fault because I had bumped over a figurine. But eventually those things healed over, and eventually those things went away, um, not because... Uh, Uh, I'd done something extraordinary to, to heal those things. Just sometimes time heals those things. But what about when you're talking about the Holy Spirit? One of the things that plagues and perplexes people the most is uh, found here in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, where it says, And do not grieve God's Holy Spirit, who sealed you for the day of redemption. 
Paul is talking to the church at uh, Ephesus and he's trying to give them some guidelines, some instruction on how they should live. And in Paul's instruction on their new life and how they should live their life as Christians, one of the things he talks about is your, his relationship uh, these Christians had with different ones. He says, uh, look, don't uh, sin towards one another. Don't be angry with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Try and do those things that help you to get along with one another. And one of the things that he says is don't grieve the Holy Spirit who seals you for the day of redemption. He's, he's saying, you know, you need to understand something. The task of the Holy Spirit is... is uh, manifold in many different things. You, the Spirit of God, uh, the, God's Holy Spirit, uh, His primary responsibility for us in the very beginning is to convict us of our sin and to draw us unto Jesus Christ, to, to draw us to a saving, uh, a desire to have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And once that happens, he, the Holy Spirit doesn't just go away. The Holy Spirit uh, continues to work in our life to redeem us, to uh, edify us, to, to cause us to bring about righteousness in our life by changing us, transforming us, to change us from within. Uh, but one of the major tasks of the Holy Spirit after we become a Christian is to seal us to the very end uh, of days, to keep us. Uh, uh, the Bible tells us that uh, in the book of Revelation that, that we are sealed until the uh, end of days, that when we accept Jesus Christ into our heart and life, this is one of the primary reasons why we believe uh, the doctrine of once saved, always saved. When we believe, we believe that once you accept Jesus Christ in your heart and your life, that uh, you don't have to worry about ever losing your salvation because we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us and teaches us that that God seals us once we become a Christian, and He preserves us until His return. Uh, and uh, I, I've I've gone round robin with uh, different ones about this particular teaching about uh, once saved always saved. And one of the things, if you're if you're just a little something on the side for you, free. This is free. Don't uh, you don't have to pay for it. But um, I always like to say it, uh, approach it this way: What did you do to deserve to be saved? And all of us will say nothing. We didn't do nothing in order to deserve our salvation. We did nothing to earn our salvation. We, well, there's nothing we can do to get be good enough to be saved, right? All of us agree that, that there's nothing we can do to be saved in and of ourselves. I, I can't give enough money to charity to be saved. I cannot uh, go around and and do good things for other people like Mother Teresa in order to be saved. I can't, uh, uh, like the Jehovah's Witnesses, there's no amount of subscriptions to a magazine that I can sell that will earn my way into sal uh, to salvation like they believe. There's nothing we can do to deserve salvation. God extended His love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
It's plain and simple. There's nothing we can do that earns our salvation. All we can do is accept the free gift of salvation and the free gift of love from God. So if, there's all, if that's the only way I can receive salvation, then there's nothing I can do that can take that salvation away from me. Now, I can sin in my life, and that's what this first part of this verse talks about. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit. What can we do that would grieve the Holy Spirit? Now, uh, I've had plenty of people say, well, there's nothing you can do that can affect God. You can't do The things you do can't affect God. I tend to, the, the older I get, the more I see the emotion of God in Scripture. There are times in Scripture that, that the Bible tells us that God was grieved by the actions of the Israelites. That God was moved to the point of almost grieving, to the point of wishing He had never uh, called the Israelites out and, and made them a people to, to Himself. And the Bible even says that, uh, that God repented of his, his thoughts in those circumstances. Don't tell me God doesn't have emotion. I think, in fact, uh, you know, we're, uh, the Bible tells us that we're created in the image of God. I think emotion is, is what uh, causes us to be in the image of God. That w- the emotion that we have is, is likens, I mean, everything else in creation has life. Now, I'm not downplaying the fact that we alone are the, the only thing in creation that has a soul. But everything in creation, though we might like to pretend like uh, uh, you know, our dog or cat has some kind of emotion when we come home and all that kind of stuff, humanity is the only one that has clear emotions like God does. God is grieved, God, and it says also when, when uh, one, even one soul comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, it says what? All of heaven rejoices. Do you think that excludes God? Do you think God sits there on the throne while every other, crea- every other created being around Him, all the angels, all the saints that are around Him that have gone on before, all of them are rejoicing because one soul has come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. You think God just sits there and like, mm. no, I think God rejoices along with them. I think if there's anything that makes God smile, it's when a soul comes to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I think God rejoices along with them. Oh, that's undignified to think of God that way. Why? Why? God's whole aim throughout all creation, from Genesis 1 all the way through Revelation, every aspect of the Bible is pointing God's desire that mankind would know Him in the kind of relationship that He had with Adam when they were in the garden before sin ever entered into the world. And everything after He cast out Adam was centered around God's desire to bring man back into that right relationship with Him like He had with Adam in the garden. And in fact, when you get all the way back to the end, right before maps or concordance in your Bible, you will see that God ultimately reaches that point 
at the end of the book of Revelation when we all are finally once again one with God in heaven and the new heaven and new earth we have a relationship with God finally again with Him like He desired. So I think God is a very emotional God and so it stands to reason that the Holy Spirit has emotion as well. I believe the Holy Spirit uh, is grieved the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit is grieved when we sin. And, and uh, God is sorrowful when we fall away from that relationship that we have with God. And so uh, the first way that I believe that, that we grieve the Holy Spirit is, has to do with our relationship to God before we come to a relationship with Him in Jesus Christ. We grieve the Holy Spirit when we are not, not saved and we continue to say no to God. God God's Holy Spirit is, is calling us to a right relationship to, to Jesus Christ. His desire is, is that we would know Jesus as Lord and Savior. His desire is all centered around the fact that He is convicting us not to cause us pain, but to convict us to, to come to a right relationship with God. God and his desire is that we would come and know Jesus as Lord and Savior. His yearning is is that we would know him as Lord and Savior. So the first way that we grieve the Holy Spirit is when we tell him no. I don't want Jesus in my life. No, I don't want to accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior. No, I don't want him. Uh, but w- once we come to a right relationship with God and once we accept Jesus into um, our heart and life, I think God the Holy Spirit especially is uh, rejoices. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit all rejoice at, a Christ, at someone becoming a, a child of God, coming into a right relationship with God. So that's the first way that we can avoid grieving the Holy Spirit is to come into a right relationship with God, accepting Jesus into our heart and life, accepting a right relationship with God. Second, there's another way, though, that we can grieve the Holy Spirit. Once we accept Jesus into our life, the task of the Holy Spirit is to help mature us as a Christian, to help us to grow in Christ, to help us to, to, and as I said before, is to move us into a right relationship with God and and to move us into, okay, you were a sinner, you have uh, Christ living within you. Now, uh, His desire is to help you to, to maneuver through life, to avoid the things that, that grieve the Spirit of God. And we grieve the Spirit of God, secondly, when we sin in our life after we become a Christian. When you, you have a right relationship with God, you have Jesus Christ living within you, and you sin in your life, you're causing grief to the Spirit of God because uh, you're, as my mama always told me when I was little, uh, son, when you have Jesus in your heart, you're taking Jesus with you wherever you go. That was a simple way of putting it so that I would understand that everything I did, God's right there, not just seeing what I'm doing, but He's right there with me. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit by sinning in your life. Don't allow the Spirit of God to be grieved in your life by having sin in your life. And so, And the task of the Holy Spirit after you become a Christian is also... What? To convict you of sin while you are a Christian. 
Not just before you're a Christian, but to convict you of sin while you're a Christian. So uh, when you sin in your life as a Christian, we grieve the Holy Spirit in, in our life when we continue to sin, continue to allow sin in our life. When we sin as a Christian, there's always going to be a sin in your life that, that's going to be a thorn in your flesh like Paul had. Paul had a thorn in the flesh that he continued to have problems with. He continued to struggle with it. He asked God to, three times to take it away and he, he finally said, my weakness, in my weakness, he's made strong. He learned to turn it over to God. But there's some of us who don't learn that lesson that Paul learned. We have a thorn in the flesh and it continues to be a thorn in the flesh because we continue to succumb to that fleshly, sinful thing that, that God wants us to avoid. And so we grieve the Holy Spirit when we sin in our life, when we allow sin to come in. And, and what are we really talking about when we talk about sin? Sin is... Uh, let's, let's dissect it a little bit. Sin's doing what God doesn't want us to do, right? right? So if we do what God doesn't want us to do, then what are we not doing? What God wants us to do. God desires to be the Lord of our life. When we sin, who's the Lord of our life? Sin. Sin, we, flesh, the things of the world, everything else in the world other than God. Everything but God is the Lord of our life. So when we allow sin to be in our life, when we allow sin to, to take up residence in us, when we allow sin to continue to come in and plague us and, and needle us and cause us to always... I, I don't know what it might... You know you, you know in your life what it is you struggle with. It might be gossip. It might be uh, stealing the pens from the bank. Or it might be um, uh, uh, telling lies. Or it might be looking at things you ought not to look at. Whatever it is. Those things are keeping you from having a right relationship with God, the kind of relationship that God wants you to have. And so those are things that that sin is the Lord of your life and it's what grieves God's Holy Spirit because He wants you to have a right relationship with God. He wants you to understand uh, uh, your dependence upon the, uh, your relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we grieve the Holy Spirit when we continue to allow that sin to have control of our life. And so what do we do to avoid that? Well, if sinning grieves the Holy Spirit, then we cause the Holy Spirit to not grieve by turning that over to God, confessing it before God, allowing God to have lordship of your life. You know, um, I used to remember as a little kid um, having this put in a particular way to me that drove it home. When you allow sin in your life, you're allowing sin to take up residence in there. Sin comes in, puts a drives a, a stake in the ground and lays a claim. You remember the old uh, 49er Gold Rush guys? You see them in historical things or cartoons or whatever. <coughs> They'd be an old geezer go out and he'd nail down a, a, a sign, a, you know, a placard and a sign. I guess that was the claim. And that's his claim. He was staking that claim in that spot so he could go and pan for gold or whatever. 
we have sin in our life, I always used to image it, imagine it as that 49er going along and, and staking a claim to a certain area of your life, a portion of your life. As long as He's there, God's not filling your life. But when we confess it to God, we give Him the eviction notice. We say, get out. Well, i got a claim here. And you say, well, no. Here comes Jesus Christ. He's got the deed to my life. He paid in full for me. He paid the price. You have no claim. So get. And so uh, He has to pick up His stuff and get out. That's what causes the Holy Spirit not to be grieved in our life as a Christian. That we aren't uh, allowing something else to have lordship, to stake claim to a certain section of our life. And that's why sin can be so destructive. It's because it allow, uh, we're allowing something other than God to ha- take control. Uh, that's, that's why, you know, addictive things like alcohol, drugs, and those kind of things are so dangerous because they're so consuming. Well, sin is the same way. Sin becomes consuming in our life. And if we don't uh, uh, turn it over to God and allow Him to, to have lordship over that in our life, then that sin becomes consuming in our life as well. And, and instead of listening to what God wants us to do, instead of allowing God to tell us, hey, you've got an opening here to share your faith with somebody. You've got an opportunity to tell uh, this person about Jesus Christ. What are you doing? You're thinking about that sin. You're thinking about that next opportunity to indulge in that sin. You're indulging in that sin at that moment. And God, God's just clutter in the background of your mind and you're not listening to what He... He's not Lord of your life at that moment. So you're not able to serve Him. You're not able to live for Him. And your relationship is a broken relationship. It's the same way as if you... you uh, in your uh, relationship with a... a a spouse or with a child. You do things that upset that person in your life. It's not until you get it resolved that you begin to mend that relationship and have a better relationship with that person. You might not even be on speaking terms with them until you mend those that relationship. It's the same way with God. God has a hard time speaking to you when you're focused on your sin it's not until you confess that sin to Jesus Christ and confess it to God, allow Him to take uh, that sin out of your life and remove it, that He's able to co- communicate with you. He's able to, to lead you in the right way. He's able to, to, to cause you to know the things that God wants for you in your life and communicate with you in, a, in an appropriate way. And so those are two ways. In which, uh, that, that's the second way in which we grieve the Holy Spirit says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit who sealed you until the day of redemption. Now, uh, let me just stop here for a moment and say, when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's not that He takes the seal of, of our redemption off of us. But the third way that, that, uh, that when we grieve the Holy Spirit, He's not able to move us and progress us along in that relationship with God. And, and He's not able to cause us to grow in, in our relationship to God. Now, that's the, and that's the third way that we grieve the Holy Spirit. Not just uh, sin, uh, having sin in our life, but we sometimes become stagnant in our walk with God. 
I feel like when we, uh, when we rebuff the leading of the Spirit of God in our life. You're a Christian. You're supposed to listen to God. You're supposed to do what God desires for your life. Well, we certainly... Now, I call this sin. When, we, when you don't do what God... Okay, you're not doing things God told you not to do, but you're not doing the things God told you to do. I think that grieves the Spirit of God. Because we're not listening to the leading of the Holy Spirit in our life. We're not listening to the, uh, the maturing of God in our life. and We're not allowing God to progress us and move us to uh, the place that we need to be with God. So when we rebuff the leadership of God in our life, you might be doing everything, everything right, quote unquote, but you're not doing the right things. Oh, I'm praying every morning. I'm reading my Bible. I'm going to church. I'm going to Sunday school. I'm going to uh, discipleship training. I'm studying the Bible. But you're not going out and telling others about Jesus. You're not witnessing to others. You're not giving your testimony to people that, that are in your life. You're not sharing with others what God's doing in your life. I think that grieves the Spirit of God. Why? Well, his desire is, is again, to, not, uh, to, to bring righteousness into our life. We're not living right if we're not doing what God calls us to do. And so those are three ways that... Uh, and, and so the easiest way to avoid that is what? Well, if you're not doing what God wants you to do, you start doing the things God wants you to do. And not just out of... And then again, we have to understand, it's not out of a duty, a sense of duty or a sense of responsibility. Oh, I've got to do this. I'm a Christian. I'm supposed to do this. Oh, I've got to give a tithe because I'm a member of the church. This is my dues. I'm going to give it. Uh, no, you give your tithes and offerings because it's an expression of your love to God for what He's done for you. You serve God and, and go out and tell other people as, a, an, as an expression of your love for what Christ has done for you. You share with others about Jesus in your life because uh, you love Jesus so much you want others to experience that love in their life as well. You do those things because you want to express your love. When you don't express your love for Jesus Christ in those things, you're not pleasing God, you're grieving the Spirit of God. And so we as Christians need to understand who God is in our life kind of relationship we have and ask ourselves, are we grieving God's Spirit? Is God's Spirit in our life uh, pleased with the things that we're doing? Are we doing the things that, that give honor to Jesus Christ? Are we causing God to rejoice because another soul has come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior? Ask yourself, am I grieving the Spirit of God? Or am I causing Him to rejoice? Let's bow our heads. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You for all the things You do and all that You've done for us.